Welcome to Popcorn History with the Freeborn County Historical Museum Library and Village. I'm Stephanie Kibler, Executive Director here at the uh, FCHM, along with Risha Lilienthal. Mm-hmm. I haven't said that in a while, Risha Lilienthal, <laughs> uh, curator here at the um, FCHM, and Reggie Bauer joining us from... I don't even know where you're from anymore. Up north. From up north. Up north? He's not that far up north. Um, Traveled down from the Twin Cities area. Mm -hmm. And we love it when Reggie joins us. Yes, we do. It's been Uh, too long. It has been. God, life gets in the way. Sick of it. Sick of it. Mm. Head might fill. Anyway. What do we got? I can't even. So we, we popcorned like for three shows. Yep. Like three months, months ago. ago. <laughs> and um, some of them I was like, yeah, I know exactly what I thought that moment. The bulk, I'm not going to lie, mm-hmm. not a clue. Mm-hmm. Now, this one I do. This one I was like, yes, I know oh, this same. story. Same, yes. So this should be a good episode then. <laughs> Let's go. Um, gun battle, Ooh. sheriff chase, race car, Virginia Watland. Mm-hmm. The only one I can't piece together is Virginia Watland. Everything else, I'm pretty much on spot. We'll find out. I was um, flipping through some stuff one day, and uh, you know how we just happen across some things once in a while? and happened to cross a newsletter or news article on a gun battle in downtown Albert Lee, and I'm like, whoa, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Wait, back in 1900? Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. So I had to read about this, and... um, it actually turned into a really interesting article. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right. Oscar Subi, S-U-B-B-Y. I'm assuming Subi because Subby doesn't right. sound right. I don't know. So I'm going with Subi. Um, he was born in Denmark in 1875 and came with his family to Albert Lee when he was five years old. Um, attended local schools. When he was done with school, he worked for Brunden Brothers Packing Company, uh-huh. um, which we have some display on. Yeah. Um, and in 1899, he became a member of the Albert Lee Police Department, which it, when you think about it, I mean, I guess I hadn't even given any thought. There's a police department, an official mm. police department in 1899. In 1899. Yeah. 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 I still see horses and, you know, cowboy <laughs> <Yep>. hats. And- <laughs> oh, sheriff. Yep. Um, So on October 2nd of 1900, he was on duty and received notice that there was a man on the 100 block of South Broadway brandishing a pistol. Uh Uh-oh. And he decided it was his duty to go and check this out and disarm this guy. Yes. (laughs) Well, (laughs) duh. Right. Um, The man with the pistol was John Hare. And I love I love this story because it says um, this is a Tribune article and it it references a lot of the local people that we have pop up throughout history. So he was described by Franklin Curtis Wedge, author of the 1911 History of Freeborn County book. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said Hare has been a patient at the State Hospital in St. Peter and was arrested earlier in 1900 for threatening the life of a neighbor. Oh goodness. Um, so clearly this man was having a mental health crisis, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. We talk sometimes like that's a new thing that law oh. enforcement. It's nope, no, it's been going on. Yes. For well, at least over a century. October oh, yeah. 2nd of 1900. Right. Um, 
So he, Subi approached the man. Um, they had a, exchanged some words. I, apparently, there was a very quiet conversation. And Hare fired his pistol, and the bullet struck Subi in the left side, just below the heart, oh, um, penetrating nearly to the spine. Um, the officer fell, and he was unable to use his pistol. Well, yeah. Um, Hare continued to walk on South Broadway. And um, police chief J.J. Sullivan and another officer took cover and fired several shots at him. A small crowd came to the scene, and few folks evidently joined in as participants in the gun battle. Oh, oh my gosh. So, like, people the just, civilians. Right, just yep. whipped out their guns and started. With some Old West vigilante. Oh, my goodness. Right? Um, Hare fired his pistol a few times to discourage the gathering crowd from getting too close. Near the courthouse, Hare shot and severely wounded William H. Jones. Um, and st- some of the accounts were a little vague. Jones obtained a pistol, um, and he may have taken a shot or two at Hare. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is a blocks-long gun battle that right. just continues. Um, Jones was then the proprietor of the Albert Lee House, which was a small hotel and eating place at 323 South Ermina Avenue, right near the M- uh, MSL Railroad Depot. So, you know, where I believe that's the depot, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think it? so. Yeah. yeah. Someone, and again, historical accounts are vague on this, according to the article, shot him in the head. Oops. So somebody in the crowd that, Whoa. anyway... Yeah. That ended the gun battle with three wounded men, Hare and Jones in serious condition and Subby in fair condition. Um, Hare and Jones were taken to the nearby hospital and both died the next day. Hmm. Um, and Subi went on, he was treated, and he went on to um, not only be an Albert Lee police officer, but then he joined the Freeborn County Sheriff's Department. Hmm. Um, and in the early 1910s, he became involved with Albert Lee Greater Manufacturing, Greater, G-R-A-D-E-R. I had not heard of them before. Mm-mm. So that was a new one. Um, it's a firm located a block east of where United Employees Credit Union sits now. So just down the road from us. And he was also uh, the president of that firm, a foundry firm, which made horse-drawn road graders and drags. Hmm. Um The motto was, light enough for two horses, strong enough for six horses. (laughs) So he survived his gun battle, downtown Albert Lee, and went on to do other things. But, wow, Wow. this was just fascinating to me that it was. Yeah. Well, to get shot close to your spine back in that day. And to not be able to, you know, even use your, then pick up your weapon and Mm -hmm. fire back. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh so I, I wonder how do you think they communicated, like the police department communicated with one another then, because there were other officers on the scene as right. well, and he received word. Yeah. So how do you get word right. to an officer on the street in 1900? It's not like they're radioing, like, no. officer down. Right, well, I'm wondering right. if they had pages. Oh, like young men that ran? Yeah, like messenger people. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that would be my guess. I don't know. That might be an interesting... Yeah. Research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Discover History Kids Project. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of sheriffs and guns, um, I I went to a postcard that I have seen in our collection. I have a little little image of it for those of you here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be myself and Reggie and yes, Risha. Yes. Thank you. There's a man on this postcard standing, uh, his arms akimbo, uh, with a hat. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. All right. Um, I think you're going to have to explain his arms akimbo because okay. I'm not sure people will know what that means. I think Peter Pan. Peter Pan uh, and yeah. Superman. Your uh-huh. fists on your hips. There you go. Yep. Uh, that akimbo. Was, that arms was akimbo. A, that was a seventh grade vocab word. I'm impressed. Yes. <laughs> was not my seventh grade vocab word. <laughs> but it goes along with a sheriff chase because this postcard... Um, on the reversed side had writing out talking about how the man on the cover was wanted for three murders in Freeborn County on July 22nd, 1937. Uh, His name was Jens Thompson and uh, they had his description on the back as well. He's 33 bachelor farmer neighbor who fled in an automobile after shooting. Three brothers were killed in the shooting. One of their 12-year-old sons was injured. Uh, Luis Lewis, Luis Lewis, um, Joe and Anton Lukes Jr. were injured. Um, and they had that on the back and then they also said notify Sheriff Myrie, Albert Lee, Minnesota or closest officer if you see him. And I have like a series of different like news things that came out about this during the time. Um, they have the Omaha World Herald in Omaha, Nebraska ran uh, that sharpshooting slayer flees. Wow. Re- right? Say that fast. Sharpshooting right. slayer flees. Uh, reason for killings a mystery. Uh, Austin, Minnesota said, um, pretty much said the whole thing. You know, the three brothers are dead, 12 year old son in hospital uh, as a result of an unexplained shooting. Uh, Also, they talk about how Sheriff Helmer Myrie was searching for him. So he's mentioned a couple of times. And then they had another article run, this one in Albert Lee, that Thompson used a 22 caliber rifle and. Sheriff Myrie directing the hunt towards Myrtle, Minnesota, where uh, Thompson was reported to have bought gasoline. The three brothers, all married, were son of Anton Lukes Sr., for whom Thompson is reported to have called before driving on to the neighboring farms. Officials said all three brothers were shot through the head and the boy through the left lung. Oh, my gosh. L.H. Strofe. Um, S-T-R-O-U-F was a farmer neighbor who was assisting Joe ran when the assailant stepped from his car and aimed at Joe Uh, Eddie Pell a neighbor who was helping Lewis and Anton on their farm half a mile from the scene of the first shooting said Thompson after shooting Lewis Anton and the boy pointed the rifle and said you run or I'll get you so Pell also fled, and Thompson right. got into his car and drove away. Um, and that's pretty much all I've got on that. Holy um, cow. Yeah. So yeah. I got so many questions. I don't have so right. many questions, but I wonder if Oscar Subi and Helmer Myrie were on the sheriff's yeah, force together. I was that was that one too. question. Oh, yes. that'd be something. Um, why is Omaha, Nebraska covering a shooting in Albert Lee I don't area, Freeborn County? That's yeah. interesting. Because they fled towards Myrtle. And did we ever find out why? Nope. Wow. Yeah. Um, There was something, I I thought I had it in here, but it was something about him being employed by um, the senior. Mm. Well, you figure it had to be something there, right? Because they talked. 
right. then he went off and shot his three sons and his grandson. Yeah. Holy cow. Right. Yeah. That's not your average disagreement. No. And that's, a, again, that's oh, another mental, mental health, health crisis yeah. in what police officers have been dealing with for yeah. Yeah. more Over than a century. century. Yeah. Right. This one was 37. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did I miss the sheriff chase though? I guess it was I was I was expecting cars were chasing somebody. <laughs> that's no, that's how I got to race car because I'm envisioning sheriff's cars racing through Fremont County, <laughs> sure. right? No, he he pursued him yes. towards Myrtle. <laughs> I pursued. <laughs> I do like the idea though that they had the postcard as kind of a wanted poster. I that's a, that was yeah. yeah, with his arms akimbo. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, like I said, I instantly, I assumed we were chasing, like it was a mm-hmm. car chase, I, which is silly. Right. Well, Sheriffs can chase on foot, on a bike. They can. On a horse. On a horse. Yeah. Well, he was in a car. He had to fill up with yeah. gas. I yeah. Just, yeah. I just had expected to hear about this chase through, you know, rural Freeborn County racing through the ZZ Top Eliminators racing down <laughs> right, lane. right, exactly, exactly. Um, and it, I instantly jumped to Sig Sigdal. Ah, uh, that makes sense. I love, and I know we've talked about him a little yes. bit, but I love Sig Sigdal's story. I can't believe as a kid, you no, I never heard of him. Mm. Right, that that kid. I'm sure most kids in this area growing up here don't even know who he oh, was. Probably not. And he was internationally recognized. Wow. And he was a race car driver. <laughs> Come How on. cool is that? From So he came from um, Norway in 1891. With a name like Sig? I, I'm sorry. He was born in Norway in 1891. He moved to the United States in 1910. And moved in with his uncle here in Albert Lee. Um, he's, he was fascinated with mechanics, uh, worked at a local machine shop, and began tinkering on motorcycles and then eventually cars. And in 1912, he started racing on a sled powered by an Indian motorcycle engine in the winter. Um, so he had hooked a sled up to an Indian motorcycle engine and raced huh. the sled. That was his first All right. racing vehicle. Wow. Um in 1913, he began racing cars promoted by J. Alex Sloan. And I don't know if that's a big name in racing or not. He's not from here. but um, And went on to the International Motor Contest Association in 1915. And that organization promoted races across the country and Canada. Um, with Sloan's backing, SIG built the Wisconsin Special which was powered by the 836 cubic inch Wisconsin six-cylinder aircraft engine, which produced 250 horsepower. Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> I you love like the-, the Wisconsin special. I know, right? I was like, wait, what is that? He like <laughs> makes hybrids. Like he I takes know. things from like not cars. Right? Yeah. Right? Like where do you suppose he found a Wilson six-cylinder aircraft engine? <laughs> Just not around. I don't know if the airport was there in 1915. I don't, I don't know either. I don't think so, but Mm-mm. we'll have to ask Jim Hansen. Uh-huh. Um, so the Wisconsin Special had one goal, to set a land speed record. All right. Oh, my gosh. Um, and for close to a decade, Sig and his team worked on improving the car. In 1922, it was reported that Hogdahl and the Wisconsin Special reached 180 miles per hour at Daytona, Florida, Daytona Beach, Florida. 
Um, this would have beaten the existing record by 47 miles per hour. Holy However, God. an official sanctioning body recognized by the Association Internationale de Automobile Clubs, Reconis, eventually became FIA, um, 180 miles wouldn't officially be reached because they weren't there to witness it. Oh. So it wasn't officially reached until 1927 by Henry Seagrab. Um which is too bad, but he had witnesses. There's, um, oh my gosh, there's just, I can't think of this woman's name now. There's a movie out right now about a woman who swam from Cuba to Florida. Oh, I think I know what you're uh, talking it about. It took her, her lifetime to do it. Yeah. And they eventually stripped her from the title because there wasn't an official like an recognition. Official or oh. Yeah, even though people that were there saw her do it. Yeah. Oh. So it's kind of the same thing, right? It's, yeah. You've done it, but only you mm-hmm. and your friends know you did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved this. So Hogdahl partnered with Mabel Cody's Flying Circus, who flew her plane above Sig Hogdahl's car on Daytona Beach, while a stuntman would climb from the moving car to the plane. Mabel Cody, the niece of Buffalo Bill Cody, performed her aerial stunt show at fairs and events organized by real estate developers to attract potential land and home buyers to Coral Gables. Wow. And there's a there's a photo of Aww. Sig's car and, and a stuntman hanging oh, from the wing of the plane. Oh, my goodness. I, <laughs> Crazy. When not chasing land speed records, um, Sig was found racing as far west as California, uh, before returning to the Midwest to challenge IMCA National Championship, which he won six years in a row hmm. from 1927 to 1932. He picked up the nickname, the Flying Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> Using his relative fame, he toured the country um, with the first manned rocket-powered car of his own design. Oh my <laughs> Now a rocket. <laughs> That's not great. And um, he drove that in 1932 at the Bow Stern Speedway in Wichita. Um, he eventually retired and moved to Florida, so he did not stay a lifelong Freeborn County resident. But um, he just, he went on, I mean, he, he played a role in, in people who uh, established NASCAR. Um, just a total pioneer of wow. racing. Uh-huh. And he was here for a while. And he was here for yeah. a while. I mean, he grew up here. He worked here. He made designs here. That's he, crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go 180 miles an hour. No, that sounds a little scary. <laughs> well, I think I'd throw well. up my popcorn. <laughs> Would you? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to end the episode? Oh, no, you've got <laughs> Virginia like, hey. Watland. Cut I need sound to, effect. I need to know how Virginia Watland <laughs> ties to, to a race car. I, I got it. I got it. So... Uh, when you talked about race cars, I thought about um, him, but I didn't know much about him, what you just talked about. I love Sig. He's he's cool. He's interesting. But I thought about um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes. <laughs> okay. Racing and like cars like that and how they're like modified and everything mm-hmm. um, and specified. Uh, and so I thought about this um, 1927 Cadillac Victoria Coupe. That is one of the only three restored in in that known to exist today, hmm. um, and it was owned by Virginia Watland, and she was um, a person of Albert Lee like descent, and then lived for a very long time. 
she wanted this car that was specific to like her own like style and stuff. And she was the first uh, in Albert Lee, first woman in Albert Lee to own her own car. Wow. Um, on her 16th birthday, uh, her grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Charles Jorgensen, um, purchased the Cadillac as a special present. No way. So mm-hmm. it was her first car? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and the vehicle cost $3,195 in 1927, oh, um, which is the equivalent of seven 1927 Model T Fords. Little a little, 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 little pricey there. Um, How much money did you say that was? $3,195. And... In 1927, Cadillac offered 50 body styles and 500 color and upholstery Holy combinations. Um, by contrast, Henry Ford supposedly said people purchasing one of his car models could have it in any uh, in any color as long as it was black. <laughs> but Jorgensen, so the the grandfather, was a Danish immigrant who came to Albert Lee in 1870. And he had a bakery and eventually became the owner of the Hotel Albert. Uh, His daughter, Murdy, married Dr. Albert O. Watland, a dentist who also started what became the Motor Inn Company in 1908. Um, And so... At this point, you kind of understand why she had a the specific color scheme that she had, which was very much like a yellow and a green and brown. And that was because it matched the colors of the Victorian-style home that they had at 312 Grove Avenue, um, which was the family home built in 1885. So I just have to ask Reggie, because he's done a little Google over there, and, uh, and that color combination sounds horrific um what would that horrific colored car cost today so this was 1927 right correct uh three thousand one hundred ninety five dollars in 1927 would equal fifty six thousand three hundred and eighty dollars in 2023 okay okay that's probably right on par right yep uh and that is the house the 1885 became the watland home that she ended up inheriting then too uh, once her parents passed, uh, she graduated Carleton College in 1934 and later earned a master's degree in piano from the Manhattan School of Music in New York City. Uh, she inherited the Hotel Albert uh, a little bit before the 80s. Uh, oh, a lot before the 80s in 1938. I, say, I think it was... <laughs> Torn down before the 80s, wasn't it? Uh, Yes. Um, So she inherited it in 1938 and owned the Hotel Albert for many years. Uh, She eventually became a part-time resident of McAllen, Texas, and that's where she also owned a home. And that uh, is why that car ended up there. So that's where the car ended up. And a man from Chicago bought it and found her paperwork in the glove box. Hmm. And then contacted up here to ask about her, and so that's why there's a lot. Did 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 the did you find anything that said what the man paid for the car? Since it's one of three, Um, it's a pretty rare collector's item, right? I don't believe I have anything on what he paid for it. No, interesting. He may it may not have been disclosed. I mean, it might be a right. 
I'm guessing more than $56,000. Probably. Yeah, I, yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Um, but the Watlands, we have some things from them in our collection. Like we have um, the Mother Murdy's uh, basket. Like she had a cooler basket. We have that in collection. Uh, we have one of Virginia's dresses. Um, we have several of her mother's dresses. Um, and that Watland name comes up quite a bit, I feel like, in our research. And I think there's still some ancestors here, um, I think. I think there's still some family members here. I yeah. feel like somebody has said something to me, but I can't. Oh. Um, so I like that you went from race car to chitty chitty bang bang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Dick Van Dyke is going to be 98. Oh, my gosh. He is. I love Dick Van Dyke. And there's a special coming up to celebrate his 98th Aww. birthday. That's lovely. A happy but, old man. You know, he was a knight at the museum. He was. That's right. He was one of, he the, was bad one of the bad oh, guys. Oh, he was. <laughs> you know where my head went. I instantly went to our night at the museum. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Dick Van Dyke was here. here. <laughs> right. Who portrayed it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I, so you're going to have an option to um, watch um, his birthday celebration or put on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes. And grab a bag of popcorn while you do. I want a fresh pop bowl. Oh, that too. 